Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we're talking about The Night Sister. Season three, episode 12, 13, and 14. Whoa. Yeah, another triple header. This one is absolutely bonkers. It is absolutely bonkers out the wazoo. Okay, we're starting with the Night Sisters. Yes. And so the Queen Night Sister herself, Asajj Ventress, is leading an attack over Solist against a Republic fleet. In her beautiful fantail ship. Yeah, it is a Genevex class fantail ship, and it is interestingly enough, this is this battle is basically a copy of a battle from the 2003 Clone Wars 2D. Oh wow. Yeah. So Obi-Wan and Anakin are there in their starfighters. They're running around. Asajj is whooping incredible amounts of butt. And so she, many. Mm-hmm. So many butts. And I thought for a minute that Admiral Ularin was killed. He at least gets blown to pieces pretty mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Right then, Sidious calls Dooku and says, your assassin, she's great. She's too great. You are training her to assassinate me and take over, so you need to kill her. Prove your allegiance by destroying her. What a move. Yeah, well, that's the Sith, the rule Mm -hmm, of two. mm -hmm. And so he calls up the tactical droid and is like, take her out. So they're flying around. Obi-Wan and Anakin split forces And the droids follow Anakin. He leads them and crashes a whole bunch of droids into other droids, which is also from that same battle in 2003. Yeah. Asajj shoots down Kenobi. Anakin shoots down Asajj. They all land in the same landing bay on a Separatist cruiser. Asajj is looking out her little cracked windshield. She calls Dooku. She's like, I need reinforcements and says, you have failed me for the last time, child, and now you will die. So she crawls out of her ship and she's holding her side. And Obi-Wan says, you're not looking well. And Anakin's like, she never does. Burn. (laughs) Sick burn. But she is grouchy and angry and she fights them and she nearly beats both of them. She fights like a wildcat. She mm-hmm. looks so vulnerable. And then she's like, rah, and double force chokes them. So right then, Dooku's like, I need to make sure this job is complete. So he calls up the leader of the Separatists and he sh- uh, tells them to start shooting at the ship. And the tactical droid is like, that will result in many droids and also Asajj Ventress being killed. He's, like, he's like, perfect. Sounds great. So Starts firing. That is enough of a distraction that Obi-Wan and Anakin can escape as the ship is exploding. They get out in their ships and Asajj crawls into her ship and it skitters barely Mm -hmm. off just in time for the massive explosion. So everyone survives, but Dooku doesn't know that. He yes. thinks that he successfully murdered his assassin. And calls in. And, says, and calls in it. and is like, yep, I did it. And Palpatine Sidious is like, thank you for once again proving your loyalty. Mm-hmm. Bye. So Asajj is like floating around in her ship, passed out. She's picked up by these very southern scavengers. There's a Twi'lek with like a strong West Texas accent. And yes. He's wearing goggles. And as soon as she wakes up, she's like, take me to Dathomir. And they're like, ain't nothing there but fog and witches. And exactly. Like, exactly. She force chokes them all and flies the ship herself. Super impressive. So she goes to Dathomir, which is her home world. She lands and all of the Dathomir night sister witches ninja Surround their way her. out. Like, we don't like strangers. But she's like, take me to Mother and Take me to the temple. They bring her in and... They heal her because she's been incredibly wounded. Well, Talzin says she's not a stranger. She's one of us. Mm-hmm. So Asajj collapses into her, her arms. They put her on a stone altar. They do a ritual with this green glowing water of life yeah, stuff. With, she's like wreathed with green mist. And she is going through her life story. So we relive all of Asajj's backstory through flashbacks. She was Given away as like a payment to some sort of pirate or something. Or a slaver, maybe. Yeah. And then um, a bunch of pirates killed that slave master. And then a Jedi came and killed the pirates. And she was apprenticed to the Jedi because she showed force powers. However, then some pirates killed that Jedi and she went Savage. She went totally feral. And... Then she starts working for Dooku, and he starts training her in the dark side. And then her final master, yet again, left her to die. So she wakes up and wants revenge. And Mother Talzin's like, all right, sounds great. I'm going to give you a potion of invisibility, Mm -hmm. 
and this doom poison in uh-huh. this little dart. And here are two of our best warriors. Go infiltrate Dooku's hideout on Sereno. And you all get lightsabers so that he thinks you're Jedi. Yes. So they do so. And it is very cool to watch these half-invisible Night Sisters sneak into his palace. They poison him. Dooku in his Dooku pajamas immediately stands up, grabs his lightsaber, and is ready to fight. And as soon as he sees that they're invisible, he's like, I don't need to see you to defeat you, Jedi. Whoa. And then he proceeds to battle the three of them all at once in his pajamas. Yes. He's in his PJs. Mm -hmm. And he's doing great. He's doing great until finally... Ventress gets the drop on him. She's got him, you know, with two lightsabers up against his throat. He force lightnings them all out a window. He blows them out the giant stained glass window in his office. And they fall down a cliff and decide that discretion is the better part of valor. And <laughs> So Mother Talzin is like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call his direct line because mm-hmm. we used to bang. And I'm going to give him a new that's assassin. Canon. That's not canon. Okay, all right. I'm going to girl can dream. So she calls him up and she's like, really? you're going to need a new assassin. Yes. And Duke perhaps like, you would like a male from our planet since you could not tame the female. Yes. And she says in the line of Darth Maul, some of his kin have survived. Yes. And so that begins the second episode of this arc, Monster, mm-hmm. Fortune Cookie, Evil is Not Born, It is Taught. Yes. Y'all, I have feelings. Dooku lands on Dathomir. Turns out he and Mother Talzin do canonically have history, Sam. I wasn't pulling that out of my butt. They They're have history. friends. They owe each other some favors. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talzin does a cool move where she instantiates a glass of uh, black root juice out of nothing. Because mm-hmm. she is in her element. She just appears out of nowhere. She's like refreshments for your long journey. Yeah. So Dooku's trying to proposition her in the Night Sisters. He's like, oh, our allegiance could be just like the old days if you'll only pledge loyalty to the Separatists. And she's like, I'm literally only helping you because I owe you a debt. Like, mm-hmm. take your apprentice and leave. So she sends Asajj to the other side of Dathomir to find a new apprentice for Dooku. Mm-hmm. And they're planning to use him as a pawn. Mm-hmm. So she arrives at the Knight Brothers village, yeah. I, I guess. Mm-hmm. All of the heads of the tribes line up for her inspection. She picks a couple of them. And then for her first of three challenges, she stages a gladiatorial challenge and she's the champion. Yeah, she's Hunger Games, y'all versus me. It is a total smackdown. Oh, yeah. One of them throws a spear at her. She grabs it, throws it back right through his guts. She just killed an entire line of like Knight Brother tribal. Like, I, it's yeah, totally the, wild. The chief warriors. They've been training for however long because that's all they do. All you ever see them do is like training. Yeah. And she's like, where are the warriors I came for? Mm-hmm. So the second challenge, she knocks out all the lights and just cackles maniacally while she runs circles around them in the dark. So by that point, we're down to four Knight Brothers. Mm-hmm. And two of them have really risen to the top of the pack. It's Savage and Feral. Yeah, and they're kin. So Savage senses her in the dark. He throws Feral out of the way. Mm-hmm. And they're the only two who make it to the final challenge. Yes. The final challenge, Savage is like, Feral, let's do it as a team. He's committed to getting his brother through this. Mm -hmm. They're like leaping through this maze of giant shifting blocks. Yeah, the column, there's the floor becomes columns that move up and down. It's crazy. And Asajj quickly catches Feral, Mm -hmm. but Savage jumps in front of him and says, spare him, take me instead, let him go. Savage is like, okay, whatever, I'll fight you. And he is so strong I just want to point out that when he tries to punch her in the face, he misses and he shatters the rock underneath her head. Multiple times. It's completely crazy. This is the fastest fist fight we've seen. Yeah, this is an extremely cool fist fight. It's super cool. Asajj does best him Mm -hmm. and he says, my life is yours. And she smiles and says, yes, it is. So she... Takes Savage, she leaves behind a village that has been absolutely decimated yeah. by her selection process. Mm-hmm. Savage has to leave Feral behind. 
And when they get back to the Night Sisters' temple, Mother Talzin presses one finger against his forehead, Doom. and he falls back into the darkness. Mm-hmm. He is stretched out on the same altar that they worked their weird ritual on Asajj. It's a multi-purpose altar. It's a super multi-purpose altar. They're doing an extremely spooky ritual over his body. They, like, super juice his muscles. So to describe Savage before this, he's, like, skinny but pretty muscular. Yeah, he's got a very intelligent face. He's, like, mm-hmm. pretty handsome. He's, like, pretty built. But, but he he's, looks, he's emaciated a little bit. Yeah, he's a little lean. He doesn't even seem to stand as tall as Asajj. He's a, yeah, he's, like, about her size. Yeah. And then he's he's got... um like Bruce Lee energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fast, very flexible, fluid, Mm -hmm. smart fighter. But what was in the water of life this time was apparently souped up forcey space rides because now he is nine feet tall. His claws come shooting out of his hands. His head horns like quadruple in size. He's a foot taller at least. He's two and a half feet taller. His voice dropped like 10 octaves. And he also now is Mike Tyson as opposed to Bruce Lee. He's, he's, He's eight feet tall, probably... 400 pounds, most of it in his punchy muscles. He literally shakes the ground when he walks. Yes. And he can't say no to Asajj anymore. No. They've worked some kind of mystical ninja sister juju on his brain. Yeah. And in the final challenge, they drag Feral in and Asajj says, kill him. Mm -hmm. And he snaps his neck without a second thought, and just stands there waiting for his next orders. Yeah. So Mother Talzin, like, looks at her new puppet and hands him an enchanted blade and presents him to Dooku. She instantiates an enchanted blade out of the ground. It's pretty it is cool. pretty wild. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So as a test, at the end of the episode, Dooku sends Savage to Deveron mm-hmm. to capture this small kind of Jedi temple that mm-hmm. has been on. It's been besieged by the Separatists. They want to take it over. Yeah. The Jedi are defending it. Savage blitzes his way through the advance guard of clones. Mm-hmm. He goes straight to the Jedi Master, Master Halsey and his Padawan. I mean, he kills them both in Two five moves. seconds, yeah. and he comes back and he says, Master, the job is done. And Dooku says, together we'll be even more powerful than Darth Sidious. We will rule the galaxy. Which is the whole Sith rule of two. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the episode. So we move on to the third episode in this arc, Witches of the Mist. I mean, A plus episode title. Come mm-hmm. on. The path to evil may bring great power, but not loyalty. So Delta Squad from Republic Commando comes back from Deveron carrying the body of Master Halsey and his Padawan. And uh, Sacey Tin, Adi Galea, Plo Koon, and Kenobi are looking at it. And Kenobi is distraught. He's like, this is the work of an animal, Mm -hmm. a reckless, impulsive animal. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, to amp up his game. Dooku is training Savage in the use of the lightsaber. Yeah, and I guess I didn't know that he was Force-sensitive, but apparently he can also wield the Force. Right. I think that might be part of the space ride injection program, or it might be that that's part of the weeding out process in the Hunger Games in the second episode. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, Kenobi is watching the tapes of Savage, and he's like, Darth Maul? I thought I killed him. And... Yoda and Mace say, no, no, it's someone of the same species. You need to go to Dathomir to check it out. And we actually clear up a little weird canon legends inconsistency about Eridonians and Dathomiri. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's super cool. It's nice. The important thing is that as Dooku's training Savage in lightsaber combat, he's using force lightning to torture him. Yes. And he is trying to build that hatred and that anger. Mm-hmm. And Savage says, I hate you. And Dooku says, good. There's a really interesting line where uh, Dooku is training Savage in the force and Savage can't lift up the columns that Dooku can easily lift up mm-hmm. because of these huge rocks. Mm-hmm. And Savage says, what you ask is impossible. And Dooku says, impossible. The task is only impossible because you have deemed it so. You must connect with your hatred. Mm-hmm. And I immediately took down to the fact that that's exactly 
the same line as in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, they probably have some little Sith training manual that Dooku's like flipping through. He pulls it out of his pocket. He's like, okay, next lesson, build your hatred. Yeah. So, and then Dooku just shocks him until he can lift it up. So yeah. it's absolutely insane. So Kenobi and Anakin go to Dathomir to check up on this. They land in the Knight Brothers village. They're attacked by the warriors. Anakin assesses the situation, goes and takes the leader hostage. Exactly the right move. And gets the information that they need. And then they're like, okay, later, we're going to go check out the Night Sisters. They go to Mother Talzin, and Mother Talzin says, well, I can't, I don't know anything about it. He's working for Dooku, but I can pull him up on my crystal ball. And Savage Opress is exactly where Dooku just ordered him to be on Toydaria. Where he's supposed to be kidnapping OG Bay King Katunko. So all my King Katunko heads out here. Outrage. Hold on to your seats. Man. So Savage Opress shows up, lands, kills everyone between him and King Katunko. King Katunko pulls out his little saber and says, I will not be intimidated. Savage just pulls him, bops him on the head, and slings him over his shoulder. Right then, Kenobi and Anakin show up. They get into a crazy platform fight. Katunko uses this to fly away. As he flies away, Savage force grabs him, and you see him go unconscious at least. And he snaps King Katunko's neck. He does. Savage Opress pulls the platform down on Anakin and Kenobi and runs away with King Katuko's lifeless body, gets to Dooku, and Dooku is pissed and tells him, well- You ignorant beast, mm -hmm. I told you I wanted him alive. So right then, he's torturing Savage Opress to death. Dooku is. He's, he's just shocking him to death. But right then the door opens and Asajj shows up because she's like, ah, it is the perfect time. She- Taps him in the head, and is like, "Haha, he's actually on my side." And now it's a two versus one fight. As one, they fire up their lightsabers and they turn against Dooku. Oh boy! And what a fight! What a fight! I mean, the tide of the battle changes like eighteen times. Mm -hmm. It's two against one, and then it's one against two, and then it's three against you. It's just—it's absolutely wild. So what ends up happening is Savage is unable to withstand being lightning so many times, and Dooku can hold off Asajj with just his lightsaber, and Asajj turns on Savage and says, "You're you're worthless." And Savage is like, whatever. He force chokes both of them, throws them out of the room. Dooku jumps down his emergency escape hatch. Asajj follows right as Savage is about to follow because they close the door behind them. Anakin and Kenobi show up. So now it's Dooku versus Asajj and Mm -hmm. Kenobi and Anakin versus Savage. Crazy fight. Um, Both of those fights are pretty even, although at one point Dooku is about to kill Asajj Ventress and she grabs the lightsaber using the force and shoves it into a steam vent and then runs away and gets into an escape pod and runs away. Mm -hmm. So she escapes. Anakin and Obi-Wan are eventually pushed by Savage into the hangar. And Dooku calls down to the hangar. It's like, just kill Savage Opress. He's a traitor now. So all the droids start shooting at him. But he knocks them flat with the force and Mm -hmm. he escapes too. And then Anakin and Obi-Wan are like, well, there's no reason for us to be here. So we're going to escape. Everyone leaves. Savage Opress goes back to Dathomir. He staggers home. He goes back to Mother Talzin. Mm -hmm. He's totally just... I mean, he's had a really hard day at the office. And he says, who will train me to exact the vengeance I need? And she says, you have a brother. Mm -hmm. And she pulls up her crystal ball and we see the face of, drumroll please, Darth Maul. Whoa! He lives! He lives! On the Outer Rim in exile. And this magic compass will lead you to him. Go find your brother. Ta-da! That's the end of the episode. And it was holy crazy. Crap. Holy crap. We're yelling. We are, yeah, sorry. I was yelling also. <laughs> this might sound weird in post because we're going to have to like normalize these levels. <laughs> I was yelling so loud. Oh, I'm sweating. So. Wow. That was the longest summary ever. As you can see, so much happened in these episodes. Where do you want to start, Sam? Because I have Ooh. many, 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 many well, thoughts and feelings. Well, why don't you feelings. take it away on Night Sisters? Okay. Well, I just want to say, first of all, this is obviously and completely the best arc of the Clone Wars that we've ever seen, hands down. <laughs> Like, am I right or am I right? No, this is this is the actual 
you know, everything up to this point has been an appetizer for the Congress. Yes, everything has been slow and tedious compared to the ridiculousness of this arc. So like the whole Clone Wars, at first you're like, oh, cool. We have a new character. We have Ahsoka. We have this back and forth. Yoda's here. Is there. The Yoda's colors there. are so pretty. This we is so fun. We get to see all these background Jedi. We get to see this fun back and forth. Padme has Like, yeah, a great there's backstory. some sketchy political stuff going on, oh, but oh, way, it's what, such a way, romp. By the way, Maul's alive. No way. Excuse you. So. I mean... I have so many feelings that I don't even know where to start. So I talked about it at the beginning, which is the space fight at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that scene is directly taken from the 2003, the uh, the fan blade fighter, and then Anakin with the tri-droids, which are flying behind him. And mm-hmm. then he uh, runs two groups of them into each other and they all explode. That happens in one of the battles. I don't remember which one in that 2003 Clone Wars. And it's a very cool scene. Although in the animated version, it's like 10,000 tri-droids and 10,000 tri-droids. They, okay. they really amp up because it's, I guess, cheaper to animate. But the the fan blade and then the crash yeah. is all this stuff. And the fact that Asajj Ventress is such a terrifying uh, monster and that when she is at the peak of her power, which is at the beginning of this episode, she is more than a match for Anakin and Kenobi. Oh, it's totally wild how we're we're seeing her like almost effortlessly force choke two full-fledged Jedi Masters mm-hmm. and wielding her two lightsabers and holding them off. It's insane. Uh, I find myself extremely grateful that this arc fell in season three as the animation and the art has been mm-hmm. so highly upgraded from the first two seasons. Yes. I even remember thinking that in the opening space battle, even space, the galaxy itself looks richer and more interesting yeah. and it has more depth. The aesthetics of this episode were incredible. Mm-hmm. But... I have so many things to talk about. I do want to say I wrote down as the top note at the top of my little notes page, I didn't know it was possible to love something and hate it so much at the same time. Because mm. I have many feelings and I'm deeply conflicted about this arc and I'm deeply sad about it too. For sure. So just the relationship between the Sith and the fact that Asajj, who's been surprisingly loyal although also surprisingly ineffective uh you know just as a matter of plot she gets fired from her job yeah so let's start let's start with that dynamic Mm -hmm. between dooku and asajj and like sidious and dooku because there's this fascinating thing going on at the beginning of night sisters Mm -hmm. when we've only ever heard dooku talk down to asajj oh yeah we've talked about this at length he calls her child he demeans her. He's always pressing her buttons. Yeah. And when Sidious holocrons in and he's like, your assassin is too powerful. Like, I don't trust you that you're not training her up just to eliminate me. Mm-hmm. Dooku says, and I quote, she's important to me. She's my most trusted ally. Mm-hmm. He says that and then turns around and says the most hateful and contemptuous things to his most trusted assassin. Yeah, well, Dooku's playing a longer game because that is, and this comes up in um, when Dooku is training Savage because Savage is getting lightninged as he's lift, learning to lift, mm-hmm. get gains, bro. And, um, <laughs> and he says, how do I defend against such power? Yeah. And Dooku says, a master never reveals all of his secrets at once. And so Dooku is playing this game where Yes, he needs to train up Sith assassins. He needs to train them in the dark side. He needs to train them to make it so that he can defeat Palpatine so he can assume the mantle of Sith Lord. Right. And that's the game that the Sith Lord always knows the apprentice is playing. So it's a really weird dynamic. I mean, it's such a tense and it's an awful way to live your life, you know? Yeah, zero-sum game for sure. Absolutely. You're trying to train up your assassin Mm -hmm. to be the most powerful, the most hateful. You're building their hatred of you. Mm -hmm. And then you're banking on your own power and your own ability to keep yourself safeguarded from this incredibly powerful second lieutenant that you're training as you're trying to overtake the current top dog. Yeah, 
and you're, it's just, it's a completely wild way to live your life. Like it does not sound restful at all. Now, another part of it that's interesting to me is that they're in terms of physical prowess, there definitely seems to be that like Palpatine, although we do see him fight with lightsabers and he's pretty scary. I feel like Dooku could probably take him in lightsabers. Dooku got poisoned yes. by a ninja night sister mystery brew. And then fought off three lightsaber wielding in his PJs. And one of them is exceptionally good. And, and the one of them are... hates his literal guts. She says, I can smell his stench from a parsec away. Yes. That is not something you say about somebody that you like. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's completely wild how he can be as disabled as they can make him. They can yank him out of bed. Mm -hmm. They can blow dart him with Zathomir poison. Yeah. And he holds them off and blows them out the window with the force lightning. Yeah. So he is, I think I didn't realize what a terrifying threat he is, probably until this moment. Because some of the previous times we've seen Dooku, I'm reminded of the time in the uh, Dooku captured arc when we first meet Hondo Onaka. Mm-hmm. And when it's time for Dooku to escape, he's been like this dark, brooding, sarcastic figure the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's a real jerk bag. And then he uh, force jokes the guy, makes him shoot his friend and walks into his, the ship and escapes. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. He's not a nice dude. No. And he really shows it this time. And he's also really like, There's a lot of questions on how the force works and some of the mechanisms of it. Because as you said, how how do we know that Savage is a force wielder? Right, right. Or is that something that he got from the Night Sisters when he was created? Yeah, so many questions about the Night Sisters. And I didn't know if I was going to be spoiling myself, so I didn't do any research into them. Mm -hmm. So I know nothing except what we got on screen. Well, unfortunately, it's kind of thin on the ground. There's... um, one or two more arcs that involve the Night Sisters, which is cool, but they live on a planet of the witches. It's famous, and the planet itself seems to be brimming with some sort of force energy, which they harness. And is it dark? Possibly. Is it light? Definitely not. But it's some sort of energy which they can use with the force to give themselves, you know, the ability to pull a glive out of the ground or juice out of nowhere. So I love that line from the random Texas scavenger who Mm -hmm. picks up Asajj. He's like, there's nothing there but fog and witches. Mm -hmm. And we land on Dathomir and he's totally, totally right. It's this red, misty planet. All of the underbrush looks like rib cages. Mm -hmm. Everything's got this like bony kind of mystical, dark. There's these disgusting, gooey sacks hanging from the trees. Yeah, so everything about it is very um, anatomical. Mm. Like it's either bone or it's flesh. Yeah, and then in the Knight Brothers village, it's cobbled together. It's a little janky, Mm -hmm. but it's like a a frontier village and it's a different shade. Everything's yellowish. Yeah, I would just want to note for the record that I cackled when someone pointed out that the men and women of Dathomir are segregated. Mm-hmm. And Asajj is like, why are we going to talk to the barbarians? Yes. So it turns out that the Night Sisters are the dominant mm-hmm. gender on Dathomir. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, Kenobi's telling Anakin that, and Anakin's like, that shouldn't be a problem. I have a way with the lady. I'm good with the ladies. And Kenobi says, too good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it's fun, right? Because the Night Sisters are this clan of very fit, very mysterious women who mm-hmm. look witchy and ninja-y. powerful and ninja y. They're all. In like a weird mixture of revealing and not revealing clothing. like covers their faces and not much else. Yeah, like Asajj, when she changes clothing after she's healed by the water of life, Mm -hmm. she's like, okay, I'll just dress in head-to-toe clothing, but I'll have thigh slits so Mm -hmm. my thighs can breathe. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how their species works. I don't know. Maybe they just need thigh ventilation. I don't know. So 
Since we're talking about women, mm -hmm. I want to point out that one of my notes literally just says men in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> it's like men, star, 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 star. What, what are you referring to? The fact that all of Asajj's masters have been men mm -hmm. and all of them left her to die. Mm. Whether it was through an inability to defend her or an inability to defend themselves or just sheer malice. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That's the note. Um, and then what Mother Talzin says as she's like window shopping for Dooku, men are easy to acquire, hard to control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can we talk about my big, complicated, thorny thing? Of course. One is of it, them. Is it on Dathomir where the trees are big and complicated and thorny? It is. <laughs> good Good guess. It is. It is a question of female power. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of complex feelings about it. Okay. And I don't know where to start, so I'm just going to start. I'll just pretend to listen then. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. So glad we have a podcast together. <laughs> so glad I get to talk to myself. <laughs> So at first with this episode, you see these incredibly powerful, incredibly cool Night Sister women. Mm -hmm. And you're like, rah, yes, women are powerful. Like there's so many great lines that they get to say. When Asajj shows up to the Knight Brothers village, the main leader guy lines up all of the best candidates and says, mm -hmm. are these men to your liking, sister? Like there's such a cool dynamic of women getting to be in a dominant position, which we very, very rarely see anywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's this delight that Asajj has in this idea of getting to use a male of her kin, like as a pawn. Yeah. And when Mother Talzin sends Asajj to go select the best candidate for Dooku's apprentice, she says, find the most suitable candidate, one with your strength and your skill. Mm -hmm. The implication is that in every way, the sisters are equal to the men, yeah. if not more powerful. Definitely, yeah. And so I was like, there's something so cool and so equitable about this, the way that physical strength and combat skills are treated between men and women, which is just simply not often the case. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and we don't really have to get into it. But biologically, you know, men have testosterone and they have different muscle density and different bone density. And you just don't often see women who are as strong and powerful as men. Yeah. In the level of physicality. In physicality, for sure. But the feeling that I left this arc with is that female power is not to be celebrated, it's to be feared. So this is definitely an arc without good guys. The when Even Anakin and Kenobi, when they show up, they kind of interrupt whatever is going on and cause more problems than Yeah, they do. Unexpected. They're not very respectful. They're not respectful and like their timing leads a bunch of people to escape who didn't necessarily need to escape. You can't kind of just leave them all to kill each other. Hmm. So they don't do that. There's not good guys in here. And so we do see everyone coming from a position of darkness. Yeah, we do. And I... It's all vengeance, all hate. It is all vengeance, all hate. And we get more women in the Clone Wars than mm -hmm. we got in the prequels, than we got in the original trilogy, than pretty much anything that had been created up until that point. And I just think that there's some stuff going on that I want to talk about because the most women we ever get is in this arc and we see that they might be equally strong mm -hmm. as the men of their planet. They might be just as fast, just as skillful, but it's their manipulation that is the most impactful mm -hmm. and, and the most powerful part of them. So Mother Talzin has been setting up this scheme for what feels like a long time because we see Asajj come limping back home mm -hmm. and Mother Talzin is like, we're going to help you get revenge. But the feeling that we're left with at the end of the arc is like Mother Talzin has even bigger goals than helping Asajj. Because she does send Savage Opress to find Maul. Yeah, she's reuniting the brothers. Yeah. 
And that wasn't Asajj's plan at all. Mother Talzin was the one who's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to find a new assassin. Yeah. There's someone of Darth Maul's bloodline. Let's go find him. So yeah, she is playing a game that's all about Darth Maul, which is very interesting. Yeah. I had not seen that until you brought it up. And that is actually what's going on. That is cool. Yeah. And what Asajj ends up doing that is so powerful is pitting an assassin against Dooku and what Mother Talzin ends up doing is manipulating everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it's their manipulation that's the most powerful part about them. And that's what people have been saying about women forever. Like, women can't be trusted. Women will manipulate you. That's what the leader of the Knight Brothers says. Uh, the person you're looking for is Savage Opress, and he's with the Knight Sisters now. We are, we have nothing to do with them. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it's like this this rush of excitement that I got at the beginning of this arc kind of soured by the end for me because like these are not women that are doing things that I can really get behind. Well, that said, manipulation is also what Dooku was doing. He put a bunch of things in place to try to get Asajj killed at the get-go, and then Palpatine's manipulating Dooku to prevent Dooku from being powerful enough to take him out. That is a great point. That is a great point. So it's all manipulation, and in this line, that is where the lineage of Palpatine, Dooku, and Asajj, that's what they're all about. There's not a lot of manipulation with Savage Opress. He is a brute, he Do you think so? I think that he is unlearned. I think, but the last line he has, which is I'm not powerful enough to face my enemies, basically, I need someone who will teach me. Okay, so let's talk about Savage. Yeah. So he's living his life. He is rounded up, presumably for this grand selection process. Mm-hmm. And Asajj comes in and she is willing to spend as many lives as she wants to get her revenge. That's the pretext of her going to the Knight Brothers village Mm -hmm. at all. So she plucks this promising young man out of his home. Mm -hmm. She steals him away from the person he loves the most in the world, presumably, which is his brother. Yeah. Who from the beginning he was trying to protect. Yeah, that is like the first thing that they say. He says, Feral, don't draw attention to yourself. Because they want to get knocked out of the running and not killed out of the running of this, but they don't want to be selected. They don't want to be selected. They don't want any part of this at all. Mm -hmm. And Asajj and Mother Talzin take this young man and turn him into a weapon. Yeah. That is what they do. They take him away from his family, just like Asajj was taken away from her family. Mm-hmm. And they kill the ones that he loved, just like all of the masters that Asajj ever loved were killed. And they betray and they use him, just like Asajj was betrayed and used. It's like she's exacting her vengeance on this rando, this stand-in for herself. She is instituting familial trauma. Yeah, it's like the generational cycle of trauma. Exactly. So there's like so many things which there's no genetic basis for or whatever that are in fact carried along through families because of if you are a parent or a mentor and you are raised in a certain way that instills trauma, then when you train or parent someone, you instill that same trauma in them more likely than not. Yeah. So this is the only way Asajj could have solved her problem. She doesn't have a different toolbox. And in that way, it's Mother Talzin is a really interesting character because she basically says yes to anything that anyone wants from her. She's like, yep, we can do that. We can do that. Whatever you want. She is a genie who grants you wishes and doesn't let you see the fine print. Which is Yeah, and then twist them her. and mm-hmm. twist them so that it's not what you wanted at the end it's of the day. It's what she wanted the whole time. So I get what you're saying about this unlearning of Savage because Mm -hmm. he lost his identity. Yeah. He was very intelligent and measured when we met him on Dathomir and he loved and he was capable. And then in that ritual, it's like pieces of his identity were stripped away. And then we see him out of place. He has grown – He. His intelligence has not caught up with his body. Or they took his intelligence away. 
Well, it's hard to say. He doesn't get many more lines. Yeah, I guess it's the the way that he moves through the world in Monster yeah. that makes me feel like there's like a very innate intelligence in him. There's a, a cunning brutality about him. I don't know if he has the intelligence. I imagine that the reason that Dooku was so willing with merely King Kadunko's death, because Asajj failed him way more than Savage Opress failed. Oh, Dooku. absolutely. And he's like, you're fired right now. I think he was like, okay, now is a great time to act because I have this crazy huge monster who's never going to be able to oppose me because he's not immune to force lightning. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I'm, I'm just never going to teach him that. And I always have an in with him. And then I can just send him to carve a path through who or whomever to lead to a showdown between me and Palpatine. Yeah. And if he can't follow directions, then he's not going to die valiantly on the sabers of Anakin Skywalker as Anakin defends Palpatine as I go in there to kill him next week. So Dooku has this master plan that he's having to alter because he's recognizing that Savage is a someone whose intelligence is for someone who is small, but now that he's someone big, he doesn't have that type of intelligence because he, he hasn't grown into his body yet. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm drawing this delineation between like pre-operation Savage yeah. and post-op <laughs> Savage. So, and in my brain, like post-op Savage is not even Savage. Interesting. It's a totally different character. It's this automaton that was crafted mm -hmm. for an, ulteri an ulterior motive. He was, however, able to shake his indoctrination. He was, yeah. He turns against... Dooku because Asajj made him, and then he turns against Asajj. On rather a slight pretext, you know, Asajj kind of threatens to kill him, but Asajj is sitting there like with lightsabers to her throat, you know? Yeah, I wonder if the force lightning, like, you know, shook, him loose. shook some wires loose or like reconnected some that were disconnected. So the fact that everything that happened in this arc happened very quick in time, everyone was always on each other's heels. You yeah. Know? The fact, like, importantly, uh, Kenobi and Anakin have no idea that Asajj and Dooku are part of this. They don't know that Asajj is still alive because oh, they don't yeah. see her. Everyone's chasing each other's tails. And it's like they miss each other by the closing and opening of a door in the same Yeah, room. yeah, yeah. But the that is because Asajj is needled to go to Dooku by Talzin. Mother mm -hmm. Talzin says, you need to go now. And, and Asajj is like, well... You he's know, not ready. He needs more training. Yeah. And it'd be great to have Dooku train him because that's the perfect trainer. And, but Mother Talzin says, no, the Jedi just came to talk to me. They're on his trail. And that's going to bring things to a head. That was my original read. But now realizing that Mother Talzin is actually a mastermind behind all this, I'm realizing that Mother Talzin probably wanted things to go off in that exact order to rid her of the Asajj problem as well. Yes. I think Asajj was very much just one little cog in this great mastermind Ooh, plan that she wow. had. She was like, I know that Asajj is going to come back to me. She probably saw it in her little crystal ball crazy thing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I can use this person. Like she's going to be hurting and vulnerable and she's going to come limping home and I'm going to comfort her and make her feel like she is my priority. Yeah. And that's what she does when Savage comes limping back home, too. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm going to comfort him. I'm going to set him on a path. My question is, like, what is Mother Talzin's grand plan leading to? Well, we talk about it a few times and that it is Darth Maul. Mm. Whatever it is, it involves Maul. And that he is alive, which is, you know lampshaded when Kenobi looks at the video. He's like, oh, crap, I killed that guy. Yeah, I sh split him in half. I, I definitely cut I that guy in half. I bisected him. <laughs> that guy is definitely dead. <laughs> and Yoda's like, it's a different guy. And Kenobi's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> that guy was more acute angles when I left him than he ever had been before. <laughs> I, gave him, I, I took 80 pounds off that guy. He was definitely toast. And then at the end, it's like, oh, by the way, Maul's actually alive. Kenobi didn't finish the job. And Kenobi is a fool throughout this episode because he doesn't know anything. He's like, we ran into this Savage Opress guy. He was really scary. We don't know where he is now, but he is a monster. Anakin and Obi-Wan are such himbos in this episode. They literally <laughs> know nothing. There is a very funny scene when um, 
they get to Toydaria. So as uh, King Katunko mm-hmm. Rip is, uh, yeah, as Savage is leaving with King Katunko's lifeless corpse, he just throws him in the back of his little Geonosian fighter, and then he force throws Kenobi and Anakin's he ship just off the cliff. Pushes their ship off the cliff, so just K- out of like a fit of pique. So Kenobi and Anakin climb out from the rubble that they were thrown under and come out and like, where's our, ah, dang it, there's our ship (laughs) off the cliff. And Kenobi's like, I'm sure the Tordarians won't mind if we take one of theirs. So they land in a Tordarian ship. And there's a little detail. The Tordarian ship doesn't have ramps. Why? It just has a little oh trap God, door on the bottom. Out. Yeah, because they can fly. And so when they are about to leave the separatist ship at the end, Kenobi like does a double take, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the door's up there," and Force pulls it down. Oh my God, that's amazing! It's a funny little detail. The little grace notes of this yes. arc, I appreciated so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the movement of the ship's joints when they land yes. is so beautiful. They like settle and they bounce a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a moment when there's rain running off of the ship that the clone troopers are using yeah. when they bring uh, the corpse of Jedi Master Halsey back. Mm-hmm. The rain is running off in these beautiful rivulets. There's this moment when the Night Sisters land on Dooku's home planet. Mm-hmm. What planet is he on? He's on Sereno. Sereno. And there's like these purple leaves and they're lit by moonlight. Dooku's castle is absolutely beautiful. It's gorgeous. And they're like slipping through his beautiful castle like shadows. And they, it's just the grace notes were so, so, so stunning. Also, although there are, it was tough to tell with the Night Sisters, they're all kind of different, but it was mostly just a slight costume change. The Knight Brothers all had unique faces, especially when you're down to like the last four. Yeah. And they all looked different enough that it was easy to tell who was who. Who was who, yeah. They had different heights. I mean, the striped pattern on their chests and their horns are pretty similar, but different bone structure, different like posture, different eyes. It was so clear that even though Feral and Savage had like the same coloring and the same Mm -hmm. patterning, they were such distinct characters. Yeah, yeah. Because Feral had like leaner and softer features. Definitely and- softer. Savage looked leaner and harsher. He's He had uh, big cheekbones and a narrow chin. Yeah, he wasn't tall, but he looked strong. Yeah, he had a skull that was a little too big for his body and now it's too small for his body because he got pumped oh, up. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. And now he has to deal with body dysmorphia the rest of his life. Maybe, maybe he likes being juiced. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't, except that now he's He like, can shake the ground when he walks. He puts his staff down and crumbles the stone beneath him. Oh, yeah. When Dooku first sees him, he's like, nice. <laughs> yes. Look I at mean, this beefcake. He's a beefcake. I'm like, going gonna, gonna to smash so many Jedi with this dude. <laughs> even the way that Dooku talks to him, like yes. he is afraid of his new apprentice. Oh, Dooku is happy. Dooku's like, look at you. You're a, you're awesome. <laughs> you're my favorite himbo ever. <laughs> a lot of himbo energy in this one. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, although it's a joke that, like, Anakin and General Grievous can never meet because they have to meet in episode three, we have a massive change in the status quo in this episode. Asajj, fired. Savage. Hired. Out, hired and then fired. fired and then out in the <laughs> wild now looking for Maul, who was dead. Turns out not he's alive. Dead. He's alive. Uh, that Dooku, is such a great point. Dooku hiring. Yeah, open for business. And you want to be a new Sith apprentice? Yeah, I got a job opening for you. And Kenobi and Anakin are like, so good news, bad news. The good news is. Uh, Okay, we don't have good news. The bad news is the Savage <laughs> Oppressed dude is out there somewhere. King Katunko is dead. <sighs> and we have no idea where this horrific murder beast is. It's just out in the wild somewhere. Literally every episode, I couldn't believe that the tension would ratchet up higher than it did. Yes. And then it did. Yeah, because you watched the first episode and you're like, that was so cool. I'm like, I know. The second one is way more. And then the third one, holy moly. So I mean, my brain's just like melted out of my ears. So this is, yeah, like I said, this is the actual main course of the Clone Wars right if, here. This is the filet mignon. Yeah. There's several intersecting arcs that are going to join. And I would love to explore them like differently. I feel like the Savage Opress arc and the Asajj Ventress arc, you could 
if you just lined up all of the episodes that had those two in it, you'd have a a heck of a season. Ooh. It'd be a cool way to watch it. New watching order. But similar to in the previous ones, how Senate murders and uh, heroes on both sides, you kind of have to watch them with the bounty hunters all lined up correctly. We need to watch a few episodes before we see Savage Opress and Asajj Ventress again. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. It, this was a lot. This is uh, as much death Amirian as I need for one sitting. <laughs> Meanwhile, meanwhile, I think it's that time. Is it time for Himbo Watch? It's time for Himbo Watch. <laughs> himbo, it's time watch for himbo, himbo Watch. Himbo Watch. Himbo Watch. <laughs> All right. Who Sam. had who had the pecs to make it? To the top of Himbo Watch. Sam, I want to know who your Himbe is. My Himbe. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. My Himbe is more Bay than him. I'm going for Mother Talzin. Mother Talzin. For being. I, I love the idea of someone who's like, oh, yes, the force. I, I use that to make myself tea. <laughs> I am part of an insane cult on a planet. We have a very cool like Ursula Le Guin style of thing where all the women live in 90% of the planet and the crappy 10% is where we keep our sperm donors. Yes. And also our fighters that we use occasionally. There is a bass speaker that repeats everything I say oh my in a gosh. deep, windy undertone. Yes. <laughs> like she's just, she's got a little microphone that's hooked up to like a speaker of like some low rider in the parking lot, which is tunes every everything down six octaves and plays it at 150 decibels <laughs> she's just like yes yes like, oh my gosh that is exactly how she talks it is and uh she fools count dooku she uh does this under palpatine the fact that she knows that darth maul is still alive and uh you know who doesn't know darth maul is alive palpatine everybody palpatine knows everything and that means that mother Talison also gave Maul to Palpatine, which means she's playing, she's not playing checkers with Anakin and Kenobi and Yoda and Asajj. She's not playing chess with Dooku. She's playing Go with Palpatine, which like the only people who get to do that are her and Palpatine. Like petition to sick Mother Talzin on Palpatine and just end Star Wars early. She's she's a real, real monster. Uh, Army of Ninjas. Always pretty, cool. pretty, pretty freaking cool. cool. Uh, extremely unique character design. Incredibly cool waving frond things that yeah. like hover her, from her shoulders. Her robe just uh, did not get the memo that gravity exists this morning. She, her, she's got like Cinco de Mayo face paint. She looks like a skull. It is extremely cool. Yeah. And you know when she sits down for tea, she's like, "By the way, bring me some of that water of life. I'm going to literally Peter Pan into existence my dinner. I'm going to Peter Pan into existence my cutlery. I'm going to form out of the mists." of Dathomir, a force to be reckoned with across the universe. Like she just woke up one day and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wreak a literal monster, a havoc monster on the galaxy. Just, you know, because why not? And then when the Jedi come by and she's and they're like, hey, this was incredibly irresponsible. She's like, well, you know, I can tell you where he is. He's on Tordaria. She's like, I'm going to take, you know. (laughs) All the responsibility and none of the blame. Yeah. And she didn't lie, which I appreciate. Like every time someone came up to her, she's just like, I will be economical with the truth. That's always fun. And she just does the yes and. Yeah. And she gives none of her cards away ever. Now, she she gives pretty freely of her power, which is a cool power move if you are a mage you know in this context she's like yeah no problem I'll, I'll cast these third level spells all day because when you do that no matter how many third level spells you have if you spend them so freely people are gonna be like oh you you actually have a lot of power and so she obviously has bonkers amounts of power just bukus so uh big fan of mommy t big big fan of mommy t yeah whoa that's a great choice yeah who uh who do you got to one-up that for Project Himbo? Project Himbo. I'm picking the biggest him of them all. Yeah? Savage is baby. Yeah. And he's to be protected at all costs. <laughs> Savage is my bae. <laughs> 
You could you could feed a baby to Savage Opress and he wouldn't notice because he has to like. Do oh my god, he's got to eat like eight boxes of Wheaties for breakfast. Yeah, he, he just is like mainlining he's full like, size protein. He's shakes. like Gaston and Beauty and the Beast. He's like six dozen <laughs> eggs for breakfast. He is like Gaston and Beauty and the Beast. He's got that exact like Disneyfied himbo body type of like yes, I'm four hundred pounds. Three hundred and fifty of it is in my upper body. I'm not gonna lie, Savage, like he's baby, but he's also like, whew, he's yeah. baby. <laughs> Dang, baby. No, I mean, we talked all about Savage and mm-hmm. how I have such big sad feelings about what happened to him. Yeah. And I don't think I agree with you at all that he is just this beast. Mm. I don't agree with you at all that his brain like didn't grow in. I think pieces of his identity were ripped away from him. Mm-hmm. And I think that he will be in the excruciating process of figuring out who he is now. Yeah. And I think he had a moral compass and he had people that he loved and he had a life and he had a home. And that was ripped away from him because of generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And I am deeply, deeply, deeply invested in seeing how he figures out how to live his life now. He is a surprisingly good anti-hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am not even going to cast him in morality terms yet because my headcanon is that like there's this little savage voice, like his identity, his core self is like screaming inside of his head as other people yeah. make him do things that he doesn't want to do. And as someone who recently assumed a mantle of incredible power, yeah, because now he is a powerful force wielder. He has a, a lightsaber and he knows how to use it. Yeah, and he's got uh, the ability to throw cars at people, which he didn't have before. Yeah, he's like, I need someone to teach me. I desperately need someone to teach me to use this power. To keep I know. I I love that impulse. He yeah. wasn't like, I'm going to go waste away in a cave for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. He wasn't like, I'm just going to go storm down the doors. He was like, I need someone to guide me. Also, his uh, military tactics of like, there's a bunch of guys here. I need there to be not a lot of guys between me and my enemy. Yeah. Like, so imagine if. Asajj had been sent to go take out King Kadunko because actually that is the plot of Ambush, is it not? It is. Absolutely yeah. it is. And so she would have been like, ah, yes, well, you know, trickery and I'm going to be a rogue and, and like slither my yeah. way up into the throne room. And then Savage is like, um, I'm going to kill everyone between me and you. And then I'm going to kill everyone between me and my ship. And then we're going to bounce. Yep. I'm going to sling you over my comically oversized shoulder. Yep. You know, and which is how Anakin would do it too. Yep. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. Good choice. I am battling my big sad feelings about my big sad baby. He is big. And I just, you know. He's mostly big. He's mostly big and he's mostly baby. (laughs) And I just, you know, I want to see what happens next. Like more... Yeah. I, I'm going to say that until he does something terrible and inexcusable. And then I'm going to be like, strike it from the record. Let it not be so. Mother tells in Mommy T was my bae all along. But for now, it's it's my baby. We, we put this in on the internet. It's permanent. So... Savajo Press and Mother Talison always get the nod on Baywatch. And this, I think, is our first antagonist doubleheader for Bay. I kind of think so. Mm, no, mm-mm. it was the Zero the Hut arc. Oh, yeah. Because I picked Size Noodles and you picked... Probably Cad Bane. Probably Cad Bane. Yeah. Yep. Sounds about right. Yay, antagonists. Yeah. Love them till you hate them. So... Next week, we're doing the Mortis arc. Wow. Which is a second course of filet mignon. This one is, uh, this one's big. This one is the Clone Wars season three, episodes 15, 16, and 17. Yeah. 
This one is a head trip and has extremely long-lasting implications for the rest of the Clone Wars as well. Wow. So, I'm not sure I can handle any more drama. I think my adrenal glands need a break. Especially because we watched uh, right in the midst of this Book of Boba Fett season Oh my God, it was incredible. So if you aren't on that train, get on it. Because I feel like everyone's on that train. Yeah. It is the train to be on until, you know, Boba Fett blows it up and then it's very much not the train hey, to hey, be on. Well, join us in like five <laughs> years to talk about Book of Boba Fett. But we're excited to be watching that right now. And we're excited to join you next week to watch the Mortis arc. Very, very exciting. If you want more Skywalker in the meantime, please feel free to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Growing Up Skywalker. And if you want more bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. For some spice run. Spice run. And some other stuff. And some other fun stuff. Sam's Geology Hour is in there somewhere. I like that one. It's a fun one. It's not an hour. Don't worry. It's like, you know, 18 minutes. Yeah. So it feels like an hour, though. And finally, <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> and f- finally, <laughs> send this episode to your big sad baby that you love so much. Even when it doesn't feel like they deserve your love, their baby, they deserve your love. Or send this episode to the cunning matriarch in your Ooh. life who somehow like gets all of your aunts and uncles to like do weird stuff for them and you can't figure it out but you're kind of afraid that she'll turn her baleful eye upon you and make you do something that seems right to you in the moment but is kind of scary send it to your scary grandma i love that i love that <laughs> do it and we'll see you next tuesday Bye-bye. bye bye